3: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. It is Victory Lane. Today is episode 79, and we are paying homage to... Well, for a peek behind the curtain, I actually don't know because my dad hasn't told me yet, so here is my dad paying homage to
1: somebody. Thank you, Dove, and hello to everyone. Last week, we had an easy time reviewing number 78, Today, we dig deeper as we turn the way back lens on number 79. Frank Warren piloted the 79 396 times between 1963 and 1980. No wins or pulls for Warren, and he led only 72 out of 88,863 laps run. Think about that for a second. That's only eight hundredths of one percent of laps led during his 18-year cup career. You gotta really love what you're doing to stay at it that long with those kind of results. Warren once said there wasn't a specific race that stood out as his favorite, but he took special pride in being invited to a NASCAR reception and picnic at the White House in September 1978. Ironically, President Carter, who was and is a big NASCAR fan, couldn't attend that day, because he was at Camp David negotiating the Mideast Peace Accord between Israel and Egypt that was signed four days later. We'll give Jimmy a pass on that one. It said the guests had a heck of a time feasting on barbecue and listening to a mini-concert by Willie Nelson, who says he smoked a joint on the roof of the White House at the end of the evening. Maybe that's how he got his nickname of the ambassador to Weedville. You may not know or remember Frank Warren, but you may have a connection to him you don't realize. After his racing career ended, Warren moved south from Charlotte and enjoyed a 20-year career as a mechanic at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. He once said if you ever rode a ride at the park during those years, he'd worked on it. So, did you visit the Magic Kingdom between 1980 and the early 2000s? His racing days and those years at Disney World appear to have been better to Warren than some of his more recent history, which includes a 2018 arrest on child molestation charges involving a four-year-old girl. Yeesh. Well, let's end on a happier note, shall we? Since we're talking about Disney, it seems only fair to return to the Cars movie franchise for today's honorable mention. Haul in Gas. Yes, Haul in Gas drove the number 79 car for the retread team in cars. It's said that he was one of only two European Piston Cup racers. Like so many others we've already discussed, he was involved in the Dinoco 400 crash caused by Chick
4: Hicks
1: but received only minor damage and was able to continue. That's all for this week. Thanks to Mama Siegel once again for those delightful Kachigas. And back to you, Doof.
3: Thank Dad, and of course, love the cars reference as always for this week. Kachiga. Kachiga. Thank you, Mom. We'll recap the never ending rain delay from this past not even weekend, but week at Texas and subsequent KFB Triumph preview Martinsville and speak with the newly minted Arkham Menard series winner, Taylor Gray, the star of the show today. We will start it off as always with a good old fashioned the marathon from Texas, the 75-whatever-hours of Texas. Oh, man, that damn mist, swear to God. Sunday, we run 52 laps. The mist comes in. Denny Hamlin wiggles. Kevin Harvick hits the wall because the track is freaking wet. So then the red flag gets displayed for over 72 hours. In total, the red flag was out for... 72 hours, 28 minutes, and 34 seconds. Literally, not the longest red flag ever, but in terms of a race being red flagged and then resumed in the same week, that probably has to be up there, if not number one. But it literally missed it 24-7. It just would not stop. It wasn't even rain. Like, there was no rain coming down. It was just mist from the sky. That did not stop uh, in the Fort Worth area. So they tried to go back Monday morning, all afternoon, early evening, no dice. Tried to go Tuesday, all afternoon, early evening, no dice. Tried to go Wednesday, and they finally did. At 5 p.m., engines were refired, racing resumed at Texas, and everybody breathed a large sigh of relief. It was funny seeing, like, everybody at the track, what they were doing to occupy their time. Cause they were just sitting in their rental cars in the parking lot, like waiting for something to happen. So I think it was a bunch of the spotters and ever somebody went to the bathroom inside and they came back out, they were honking at them. Um, God, my boy Dalen, he was tweeting a lot about, he just missed his family and his dogs and everything. He's back home now. Thank God. But it was just such a long day in Texas. I mean, good, good Lord. That was, that was a lot to, a lot to take in, but let's fast forward to the end of the race itself. It was a really compelling battle in the last 50 or so laps, I would say. You had a a bunch of different storylines. Clint Boyer is leading the race, but has to pick because he's going to run out of fuel. He's like 20 laps short. So that will put Kyle Busch into the first place, which he he then did after Boyer pitted. But he is on fuel saving mode big time because he's right on the number to make it to the end. And he's saving every single lap. Adam Stevens is coming over the radio and saying, your gap is... One point, whatever. Save a little bit when you can. Flip your switch now. Just kidding. Don't do it now. We'll do five to go. It was like really intense. I was listening to the radio the entire time. So he's in the lead saving fuel. Martin Truex Jr. is second and coming really quick. He has to win to get into the championship four because he had a pre-race penalty that had a spoiler confiscated, 20 points docked from the team. Crew chief James Small was ejected. So he's coming with a head of steam in second. Christopher Bell's in third place, looking for not only his first career winning cup, his best finishing cup, and also sending Levine Family Racing, who's going to be not existing in the cup series in a couple weeks, out with the bang at their home racetrack of Texas. All of these three things are converging on themselves in the last 50 or so laps, and it was a really compelling, interesting, intriguing battle to the end. Adam Stevens was coaching Kyle Busch the entire way through, and wouldn't you know it, Ding-dong, the streak is dead. Kyle Busch holds on and wins. He earns the win for the 16th straight season in his Cup Series career, something that is very, very important to him. He came over the radio, I think, after he said, thank you guys so much, you know how much this means to me. This shit really does mean a lot. Um, I think that was a quote. 33-race, winless drought as well, dating back to last year at Homestead Miami Speedway, where he happened to win the race and win the championship. But as I said, and he said, this win was so big for him that it was reminiscent of winning a title. He explains why.
5: Really, it kind of felt like a, like a championship win. You know, when you're at Homestead and you're racing around on that final run and every little thing that can go wrong you feel like is going wrong or every little creak of the car you think, oh, I got a flat tire when it's, everything's fine. Uh, today was, was one of those ways, and, um, you know, we had to save fuel that entire last stage you know the the beginning of the final stage we were saving fuel there towards the end once once Boyer had to pit and then um, you know the after the pit stop the entirety after the the final pit stop I was saving fuel as well too so there was a lot on on my mind and and things that we were trying to do and accomplish obviously with uh, trying to stretch it and then um, the other thing was just the the amount of things that can go wrong will go wrong type stuff that goes in your mind. And, and we had a, a rubber fire that was in the cockpit of the car. It happened. It was pretty much the whole final run. You know, if it was a 50 lap final run, it was there for 40 laps. I mean, it was just, um, you know, a rubber fire that would light on fire and pretty much smoked me out. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to pass the CO test, but, um, we made it. So all, all doesn't matter now.
3: Kyle repeatedly talked in the last few months about how they don't have race winning speed and that they're not going to win a race for the rest of the season. But they did. So I was curious, what changed? Hey, Kyle, I know you said that you guys didn't have race-winning speed for these last few weeks in the past. So today, was there one specific thing that changed that, be it strategy, raw speed, or was it just one of those days where it all came together? Uh, no, we, we had
5: we had raw speed today. Um, that car was fast, uh, Whatever whatever it was. You know, we've, um, the guys did a great job and uh, they, they brought some good stuff here this week. So um, I think we saw it, you know, with, with myself, 19 to 95, the 11 obviously got damaged at some point. I'm not sure what happened to the 20. So, um, you know, the, the, the overall top three was, was Gibbs cars, Toyotas. So maybe there's something there that we can all look at and, um, you know, try to study and, and work on for next year.
3: As we know, dealing with Kyle can be a full-time job on its own sometimes, and to add in the wrinkle of calling the shots on top of the pit box as a crew chief during that, that is a tough, tough job and a tough sell, but Adam Stevens does it with flying colors 99% of the time, and he said that even though this season has not been enjoyable for them, he was not going to let Kyle go winless
2: this year. It hasn't been a lot of fun, to be honest with you. You know, uh, like I mentioned, just – seems like whenever we do have a good car or have a chance to be in the mix, um, we've just haven't been able to capitalize at all. Just issues on top of issues. And, and, uh, you know, after a while it'll wear you down and knowing that the potential of the team is always there, you know, we've certainly had some, uh, some bad runs, but, uh, we haven't had as many as the record would show. Um, we've had a lot of DNFs, you know, um, for various reasons and, um, just when we get those good cars, we just haven't been able to capitalize and, and uh just an odd year in that regard. And um, you know, you don't want to break a streak like KB's got going and um, certainly not on my watch. Um, and, and especially when we have all the tools to do what we need to do and have been so close so many times. So it, it's nice to finally uh, kind of dot that I and cross that T and make it happen. I don't know. We haven't really had those discussions, um, you know, uh, I'm sure that we will have those type of discussions in the near future and, um, see how it plays out. You know, I know that I have a home at Joe Gibbs racing and, um, that's most important. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is a performance business and, and we need a lot more lights nights like this, like tonight, um, a lot more like what we're used to having. So, uh, we'll have those conversations here shortly. I'm sure. So
3: close yet so far for their Joe Gibbs racing teammate, Martin Truex Jr., who needed the win to get to Phoenix. And Kyle said, too, I think he was asked about JGR and how Bell was third and he's going to be joining the fold next year. And Kyle started. He was like, yeah, it's great. Actually, who am I kidding? It sucks because he knew that he took away a win from Truex and he needed that win to get into Phoenix. And Truex was asked about it after the race as well, you know, if there was any thought process of him potentially giving up the lead to let Truex win. And he just shook his head and he said no. But as I mentioned, the spoiler was confiscated, confiscated, if I can speak, pre-race, came with a 20-point penalty and a crew chief ejection, but that would have been well worth the price if they would have won the race. But alas, it was not meant to be. And now they're going to Martinsville, where he's in a must-win situation, but it also happens to be his best track recently. He's won the last two races at Martinsville. I've been there. I guess I'm his good luck charm. So that's a plus. Does that give him any extra added confidence heading into it, or is it still a bit nerve-wracking?
2: Yes and no. I mean, you know, must win at any track, no matter how good you've been there in the past. I think is uh, you know is a challenge. You know, um, the last race there that that we ran and delete lead all the laps that we did, whatever. You know, it's uh, it's no guarantee. So uh, we got to work hard this week to make sure we're prepared. I know the guys are uh, have already been doing that. Um, you know, so definitely optimistic, you know, it's a good track for us, but it's just short track and a lot can happen, you know, and restarts and things. So we'll just uh we'll go there and, and do the best job we can.
3: As I mentioned in the 95 car, Christopher Bell comes home with his best career finish of third, besting fourth earlier this year. He definitely had the speed to win, probably. But the package, the aerodynamics that happen in this specific iteration of stock car racing in the cup series, it prevented him from getting by the nineteen. And then if he would have done that, it would have probably prevented him from catching and passing the 18. But a really, really good run for Christopher Bell. Good to see him up front kind of spicing things up a little bit. Kevin Harvick hit the wall on Sunday and had to recover. And he did so, got back into the top five, but the speed fell off big time in the second half of the race. He wound up finishing 16th, which is really uncharacteristic of the four bunch. And he is actually off the lead lap. For the third time this season, that's the only time that he's finished off the lead lap. Um, but I, I have to imagine that something was bent in the toe or the steering or something was wrong with that car after the hit on the wall on Sunday. So who knows? Maybe Rodney Childers will let us in on the little secret that happened to make the car handle so bad. That he said that it was just pushing tight in all four corners basically the entire race. But... Even though he finished 16th, did not have a Harvick characteristic day at Texas. He's still sitting pretty going into Martinsville. He's plus 42 above the cutoff line. Denny Hamlin, he had a little bit of struggle himself with a couple different instances, but he's plus 27. Brad Keselowski is plus 25. Then you have Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott, the Hendrick Motorsports duo. They are both minus 25. Martin Truex Jr. is minus 36 in a must-win scenario. Kurt Busch, minus 81, obviously a must-win scenario as well. So if you're Bowman, Elliott Truex, or Kurt Busch, you got to win to get in, but you pretty much already knew that. And if you're Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, or Kevin Harvick, as long as one of those guys below the cut line does not win, if you have a solid day, like even a top 15 day, top 10 day, which is probably going to happen, you should be sitting pretty. Um, This race at Texas, which seemed to never end, (laughs) uh... First of all, kudos to the track workers, Air Titan workers, um, you know, jet dryer drivers, everybody there, like race control, the the crews, the drivers, the photographers, everybody there. Jerry Jordan, I think, was like the lone media member of the NASCAR press corps that was still there. Kudos to all you guys for sticking with it. Um, I have been a part of some rain delays at races in my time, but nothing quite like this. And I do not envy you guys, but I think overall the ending was really compelling. It had differing strategies, differing speeds. The arrow was still difficult to overcome, but it was really, really intriguing. And I was texting Robin like the whole time, as you guys know, my girlfriend, and she was like actually pretty into it as well. She was asking me what was going on, if Kyle was going to make it. And I was like, I don't know. And they don't know. And she was like, how is that possible? I was like, he's just that close. And he, he made it. And it was just a really interesting storyline and, and, and stuff that we saw play out. So Congrats to KFB back in victory lane. How about the Xfinity race? The finish to that was something as well, wasn't it? Comes down to the end. Let's fast forward to the final lap, as we so often do. Noah Gregson's in the lead. He needs to win the race to get into Phoenix. He's coming to the checkered flag, not even the white flag. He's coming to the checkers. He's trying to work around a lap car. Harrison Burton is coming and coming quick. He got by Anthony Alfredo in the 21 car. And then as the 9 of Gregson is navigating lap traffic, he bobbles a little bit, Burton recovers, or he didn't recover, he capitalized, drove it in deep as he could, passes the 9, wins the race for the third time this season. It was literally like one of those jaw-dropping moments and finishes because no one needed to win. He had it right in front of it, and then he just gave it away. It's just, it just sucks for him. He also dropped an F-bomb on TV and was not fined or penalized for that, which Dale Jr. was kind of mad about because 2004, he said shit in an interview in Victory Land, and he was penalized points, and everybody says, I was too young to remember, but that was like the one year where he had a good shot of winning the title. Um, but I digress. Let's hear from the race winner. For the third time this season, Harrison Burton Taking us through that wild finish.
4: Honestly, the last few laps there behind the 21, I was running the bottom through there. Um and I was making good time. But uh once I kind of went up to the PJ one up there, I kind of felt like that was the place to be. Um and I'm in a position with, you know, us being out of the playoffs now. Um where I can just say, hey, if I wreck, I wreck, I'm going for the win. And and I drove a car in probably too deep and got on the gas probably too soon. And for whatever reason, it stuck. So if I could do that every lap, I wish I could. But um, I think we saw earlier in the race that I can't because I spun out trying to do the same thing. So um, I'm not really sure how or why it stuck, but I'm pretty uh, excited that it did.
3: As he should be, a very frustrating end to the day for Noah Gregson. But he was able to pick up the pieces and give us a little bit of an interview.
0: So frustrated at myself and letting that one slip away just because I know how much
4: um, it's a difference maker in, in this sport. It's a difference in us going to uh, to Phoenix and fighting for a championship and not. And you're locked in if you win. So um, I don't know. I don't know what to
3: say. Bummed out. A look at the playoff picture now with Chase Briscoe locked in by virtue of his dominating win at Kansas a couple weeks ago. Austin Sindrick is plus 14 above the cutoff line. Justin Allgaier is plus 8. Justin Haley is plus 4. Then below the cutoff, you have Brandon Jones, minus 4. Ross Chastain, minus 15. Gregson, minus 24. And Ryan Sieg, minus 43. So I'd say Gregson and Sieg are in must-win scenarios chastain 15 back could theoretically point his way in brandon jones definitely could at minus four but gonna be tough for them and ross also took the blame for causing a wreck um i think in the final stage involved a lot of other playoff contenders i think he and brandon jones got into it and it caused a ruckus with a lot of other people but because that happened it paved the way for guys like ryan vargas former guest on victory lane tommy joe martins they both scored their best career finishes in Xfinity Series competition. Top 10s. How about that? That was amazing to see. Shout out to my boy Brad Perez for working on the 44 car, getting that top 10. Ryan tweeted a great picture of him hugging his mom after the race. It was really like emotional for both of them, um, that being Ryan and Tommy Joe. So that was cool to see. Congratulations to them. On to the truck race, which happened after the Xfinity race Sunday morning before the mist came in and destroyed everybody's hopes and dreams. Sheldon Creed earns the win in that race, survives some action up front that he's going to talk about here to vault himself into Phoenix with his teammate Brett Moffitt. Sheldon Creed is going to be fighting for a title.
4: Started off uh, pretty simple there. Had a really fast truck and, and just tried to... Learn what the track was doing. It was on the bottom there, that first stage. And then there at the end, I think a couple of people started making time in the in the spray. Try to keep an eye on that, but more on on what my truck was doing, and then tightened up a little bit. Stage two was a little harder. I think everyone was figuring out the runs that they needed. And the 16 did a really good job. The 88, um, those are two that I felt timed their runs the best and, and could stay really close. So I knew they were good. Um, I felt like my truck was really, really fast. I had really good corner speed. I was just a sitting duck down the straightaway. And if you get two good trucks lined up behind you, you were, you were kind of in trouble there. And um, the eighty-eight finally timed it really well and, and got by me. And then I just sat behind them there in that, that end of the stage two. But stage three was was hectic. Um, just trying to keep people behind me the whole time, trying to split them and and make them not sure where to go. It's it's so hard when you have to do that when the runs are so big. And then they're at the end with with the 52 and 13 wrecking each other and, and getting the lead back. And then I don't know what happened there that last 10 laps. I got really tight, like light switch. I went from being really good to really tight, and, like, the left front quartered a little bit. And I felt like I was in trouble there. I didn't really know. And then that last restart, uh, thank God I had a teammate with me, and, was able to get clear there, and then I figured I could I could cover the 16 at least for a couple laps, and and was able to get the win. So it's so nice being being stress free for the next week or two.
3: Playoff picture for those guys: Austin Hill plus 27. He's sitting pretty. Then you have Zane Smith plus 12. If he didn't spin late at Kansas, he'd be sitting a little prettier, but he's still okay. Matt Crafton is the first driver below the cutoff line, minus 12. Grant Enfinger, who blew an engine at the race at Texas, he's minus 42. Ben Rhodes, (laughs) who did not make many friends at Texas, he was like a one-man wrecking crew, got into Christian Eckes and just completely wrecked him, blatantly wrecked him, Um, and Eckes was not doing Rhodes any favors, but I think Rhodes took it a little far, in my opinion. He's minus 45, and Tyler Ankrum is minus 79. So Enfinger, Rhodes, and Ankrum for sure, in must-win scenarios. Um, If I'm Ben Rhodes, I would stay the hell away from KBM trucks and Josh Rayum in the double zero because they are not very keen on helping him in any way possible. If anything, they're going to wreck him and make his life a living hell. (laughs) But that was the race weekend at Texas. Three races, three winners, more spots up for grabs in Phoenix. Interview time! actually just wrapped up this interview with Taylor Gray, driver of the 17 for DGR in the Arkham Menard Series East West National Series. Um, cool guy. He's 15 years old, which I told him was like disgusting because I just can't believe that he's 15 and achieving his hopes and dreams so early. And because, you know, like me being 24, I'm like, oh, anybody born after the year 2000 is just ridiculous. But we chatted about a lot of things. Um, and I actually was planning To run my interview with Tanner Gray, his older brother who runs full-time in the truck series. I was planning to run that this week. But since Taylor... See, I messed up his name. I messed up Taylor and Tanner in the interview and I'm messing it up now. But since Taylor won the ARCA race at Kern County this weekend, I felt like there was no better time to have him on than now. So I'm switching that up a little bit. Talked about a lot of stuff, including a funny story of when Taylor actually choked out Tanner at the go-kart track um tanner told me his side of the story so i wanted to get taylor's side and i got that towards the end of this interview we were on a strict time crunch had 30 minutes to talk with him because he was going to a winner's lunch at the shop so not the longest interview in the world but we could use a little bit shorter episode this week so without further ado here's my chat with taylor gray Welcoming on today, driver of the 17 Ford Fusion for DGR in the Arkham Menards Series Divisions. It's newly minted winner, Taylor Gray. That's got to feel pretty good. I know this week has got to be probably one of the best of your career coming off of that victory.
0: We've uh, had some bad luck this year. Not the greatest luck, in my opinion. So, you know, just uh, keep on uh, rolling and going on to Phoenix. You know, it's just uh, one of those things where you have to, you know, you you – celebrate for a day and then you move on at the end of the day. By the time Phoenix rolls around, no one's going to know who won Kern. So, you know, it's, it's on to the next weekend.
3: Yeah, that's right. And there was some heartbreak in Roseville. I know redemption in Bakersfield winner winner. I mean, can you take me to your mindset going in the, from the last lap in Roseville to that heartbreak and then going into Bakersfield at Kern County where you just sat on kill like the entire weekend?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, after Roseville, I was pretty upset with myself. And, um, you know, I, I think some people saw it on social media where I, I kind of just went off the deep end and was, didn't really talk to anybody and was just ready to ready to go and uh, and uh, dominate. And that's what we did.
3: So you're upset with yourself. So did you leave a lane open there? Or do you feel like you got used up?
0: I felt like I overdrove the corner in three and got loose in. Um, now me and my guys are talking about it. We think a left rear might have been going down a little sooner than we thought of. Okay. Um, but I got loose. I mean, no excuses. Obviously, got it. Got loose in M three and uh, let him get to me, and then, you know, and he used me out. But I mean, I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing. So, um, you know, it's just it was my fault for letting him get to me, and uh, kind of move on from it.
3: Well, this is your first time, I believe. I'm not sure in any vehicle, but correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I know this is obviously your first time in the ARCA car at both of those tracks, and you mm-hmm. clearly adapted pretty damn quick, running inside the top five, winning the pole, should have won the race on, at Roseville, and won on, at Bakersfield and Kern County on Sunday as well. I mean, for your first time going to those two places, I, I'll say you did pretty okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we uh, we adapted very uh, fairly quickly, and uh, you know my EGR car, guy guys got a. Really good Ford Fusion going for me that that weekend,
3: and uh, we executed on it. All right, Taylor. I want people to get to know you a little bit better because people probably know your brother a little bit, and I talked with him last week. But I want them to get to know you a little bit better. So I know that your family is from Artesia, New Mexico. I didn't know how to pronounce it, but Tanner helped me. Um, But on Racing Reference, it says that you're from Denver, North Carolina, but you guys moved to New Mexico in like 20 – or you guys moved from New Mexico – in around 2010 or so yes yeah, so right i'm not from
0: i'm not from north carolina i'm i was right born, i was born up until i was
3: like six years old in new mexico right and so that's why when i looked on racing reference i was like this is wrong
0: yeah so i'm i'm a, i mean you can say i've lived here most of my life so you can say i'm from right. here but down to it i'm from new mexico um and i still consider it my hometown so um, yeah. And the best coast is the West Coast, obviously.
3: <laughs> well, since you're the guest, I won't fight you on that. But I, I was telling Tanner that I haven't been to New Mexico in my life. It's and a, when I was looking up Artesia, what you say? It's, it's not the
0: greatest state. Oh, I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> but the West Coast is nice.
3: How often do you get back there? Because Tanner said that you guys don't really don't go really back, go there, a back whole lot. there. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna try to go down there this winter, but we we don't yeah. really go down there. Where, where I'm from, like where we're from, is oil oil town. So it's
3: yep. desert
0: yep. really not the safest place.
3: Yeah and even too like i was looking up artesia on a map and i was like oh it's probably close to albuquerque i'm just like from the east coast i assume everything's close and then i looked it up i was like damn three hours away you guys are close to texas like it's in the middle of it's it's like on the west coast don't get me wrong but it's closer to the midwest
0: Midwest yeah
3: yeah yeah so i was like damn because i'd never heard of artesia before i was doing my research for you guys so that's interesting why don't you think you guys go back is it just boring and it's more fun out here
0: it's a, it's just an interesting place. Um, it, it's not super enjoyable. Um, I mean, some people find it enjoyable. Whenever you live out there, it's, yeah. not, it's not the greatest. But there's some parts of it that are nice. And where we're from, it's not very nice. So,
2: yeah,
3: honesty is the best policy. You know what they say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so also, I need to say the the fact that you were born in 2005 absolutely disgusts me um, because you are a literal child. You're 15 years old and I'm here 24, almost 25 living my life. And the fact that you're winning races, killing it in your professional career, and you're born in 2005 because I was at a point where I was like anybody born after the year 2000. I'm like, whoa, that's that's crazy. Uh- now you're this is 2005. Nuts to me.
0: <laughs> yeah just uh just gotta keep working man i feel like uh the sport we're in you, you gotta mature very quickly fairly quickly and so that's kind of what i've done I, I feel like i'm a 26 year old guy like mentality <laughs> space you know yeah so uh that's what everybody says they say i act like a grown man so i don't know
3: you don't sound like you're 15 for sure like like lowness of your voice and also just the maturity so i guess you got that going for you
0: yeah so, yeah <laughs> It's going good. Do you
3: ever, do you ever get confused or do, do people are like, oh, are you Taylor Gray the actor? Because when I looked up Taylor Gray to do some research, that was the one that popped up and I oh. had to dig deep for you.
0: No one's ever asked me that. It's kind of funny though because I did look myself up one time because I wanted to see what it said because someone posted on Twitter that they put a, put a, a, a thing about me on Wikipedia. So I wanted oh, to yeah. see what it said, and uh, I couldn't find it, but an actor came up. I have no idea who this actor did I've never seen him in a movie before.
3: I'd never heard of him. Yeah,
0: me either. I was like, oh, nice. I'm an actor.
3: Maybe if he gets famous, then that'll be good for both of you because he can build up his career, and then people can confuse you with him, yeah, and then exactly. get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. It's like a catch-22. That should work. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get back to the track for a little bit. You've had a really impressive season, but I feel like it's also been low-key. I think that's partially my opinion, correct me if you think I'm wrong, mm-hmm. because of Haley Deegan being in the DGR stable. She obviously takes a lot of a lot of headlines, Spotlight. but I think you should be really proud of what you've accomplished because you didn't run the full year because you were so damn young. So you came in and you kind of lit the world on fire. You, you didn't win any races up until this past weekend, but you were running inside the top five, top 10, pretty much every single week. And I was really impressed watching all these races on track pass that your speed at the end of races seemed to be a little bit better than the rest of the field. You always seem to have that extra gear when it came to 20, 30 laps to go. Um, I think you've had a really, really good season. How do you think that you've done?
0: Yeah, I think we've been okay. You know, obviously you want to win races. That's the end goal of every race weekend. And so I think we've uh, we've done okay. Um, I think we need to work on some things around here and make some things better and, and work on our program as a whole. Um, as well as myself, you know, there's plenty of things I've, I need to work on. Just like Roosevelt, I need to work on, you know, handling pressure better, you know. So it's just a thing where we all need to work together at getting better. And I think uh, next year it'll, it'll be a different story.
3: Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. I, I also was looking at the stats, and I think you finished outside of the top 10, only twice across all of your starts in ARCA this year, which was the second race at Toledo and the second race at Utah Motorsports Campus, where I think you may have had a, a mechanical failure yep, or something. I had so, a battery go dead. The, And then I also, right.
0: the first race, I I think I was going to win it. I was catching Jesse really quickly, and then I had a right rear And I had yep. a right rear go down. And then the second race, the battery quit.
3: So every race this year, besides the second race at Toledo and when you had that battery failure, you've been inside the top 10 running and contending for top fives and race victories. So mm-hmm. you've had a really, really solid year. I mean, I understand that the competition this year specifically in the divisions is not what it once was when you look back five or 10 years ago, but right. I imagine from your perspective, you play the hands that you're dealt. You have to race the competition that you can and doing that to the best of your ability is all you can do. And you've done that exceptionally well for being a rookie.
0: Yeah. I, I think what a lot of people get uh, hung up on is, you know, there is isn't of those- as much card count there isn't much as much um competitiveness deeper in the field but whenever you get in the top four to five um especially the top three the 21 and the 18 are are the hardest cars to beat 100 percent. yeah like you got to be on your game to beat them and so um you know whenever you get up near them it's all about just getting your stuff right because you know it's they're already ahead of the game and you're behind you're they have, by the time you roll into the racetrack, they're already one step ahead of you and they've, they've got it figured out and I give them props for it. And the rest of the people are catching up, you know? And that's, I think that's where they uh, are beating us. have beat us all years. they're one step ahead of us all, every race they go into when they pull into the racetrack. And so I think that uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep working and, and we'll eventually be with them or even one step ahead of them. But, you know, it, it takes a lot of hard work.
3: Following up on that, I want to pick your brain a little bit. So going into races, right? You're going up against JGR, GMS, Venturini some weekends. But specifically, you mentioned the 21 and the 18. Like going into a race weekend. So you do understand like right off the truck, you guys are obviously a step behind. And that's no fault of your own because you guys are doing all you can working your asses off. But their resources that they have at their disposal, they just seem to be one level above pretty much everybody, especially on that level of ARCA. Where, I mean, I had some conversations last year with some drivers and they basically were telling me about the 21 car. Like, David, you can get in that thing and you can run top five like it drives itself. So is that hard to reconcile for you being a young driver who's, you know, knows that he has the talent, but goes up against these behemoth organizations who have really good drivers behind the wheel? And it's basically like, all right, well, it may be a battle for third today and anything other than that will be a bonus. Is Is that hard for you?
0: You know, I I don't think it's necessarily hard. I think it it, it motivates me more and makes me more angry um, to to do better. You know, I I, in all my interviews, I preach, uh, you got to keep your expectations realistic. And so, you know, whenever we go to the race shack and we don't have a great car, you know, you got a third or fourth place car is is a win to to us, you know. You just got to keep your expectations realistic because whenever you start not having realistic expectations, that's when you start crashing is what I'm going to say. And uh, that's whenever you see people quit racing and, and stop doing it. And so you just got to keep everything realistic and uh, keep fighting. I
3: find that interesting because I feel like your brother would be the complete opposite. And he'd be like, no, I want to win. I want to win. Cause I mean, you know how hard he is on himself. And mm-hmm. I imagine you're the same way a little bit, but um, I feel like he would be like, no, third's not good enough. We have to win. And he would beat himself up for that. But it's good that you have those realistic expectations because if you didn't you know, you'd fall short of those every single week, and that just wouldn't be good for anybody.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I get it. Obviously, everyone. I mean, obviously, I'm not the happiest person whenever, you know, I go out there and win. You know, sure. I, yeah. I, I want to win, and every, everybody does. And so, you know, whenever you don't go out there and you don't have a great day, I mean, obviously, I'm not so happy to talk to you or, or be your friend, you know, but um, at the end yeah. of the day, it's about keeping everything realistic and moving on to the next race. And so. You know, just, uh, just keep fighting and use that, use them beating you and and whatever has motivation and build it up as fire and anger and, and go out there and work even harder.
3: I imagine somebody that's helped you through that this year has been your crew chief, Blake Bainbridge, um, and he has some experience at the cup level, which is pretty cool to say because I think a lot of people at DGR have been working in the sport for a long time and have seen a lot of things go on. How has it been to have him work as your crew chief all year long?
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good. You know, uh, me and actually, me and Blake actually uh, had separated, um, uh, three weeks ago, oh. and so th- you know things weren't. Uh, he's a great guy, and just things weren't uh, weren't working out like we uh, we had hoped. So um, uh, we had separated, and then Seth. Uh, Seth, um, what's his last name now? Is it Smith? Seth Smith mm-hmm. uh, came in the. Uh, from Haley's car to our car and, uh, started yeah. working on our stuff. Um, actually David crew me at Springfield, Dylan, hmm. and then uh, Seth at Pensacola and then here in California this weekend. Um, and then we're, uh, working on some new things for, uh, Phoenix and then uh, next year.
3: Cool. Well, I apologize. Racing reference has failed me. Um, so I will go on a different tangent with that. How has been working with Seth and uh, David as your crew chief? That had to be pretty interesting, having your team owner and a former Cup winner as your crew chief.
0: Yeah, it, w- it was actually pretty fun. Um, whenever we went, I mean, obviously Springfield's a dirt, dirt track. It was pretty much a no yep. joke. But um, we went out there and it, it, we had a lot of fun. Um, we uh, I got out of the car and that's the first time I ever laughed all year. And me and him started laughing. So <laughs> it was a it was a fun time. And uh, you know, we went on a Pensacola and really had a a good day um we qualified second and, and uh had some issues should have probably finished second or third and um i got cleared on the front stretch and uh, got some uh, right rear quarter damage and was uh dragging the right rear uh well there was a a uh, rub on the right rear tire so the right rear tire got super hot and just lost all the grip so that's why we kind of fell to the back and then uh, I thought I way back up to fourth. I finished fourth there. Fourth or dead, I can't remember.
3: Yeah. Sounds about right. Top fives or top tens, that's what you do. You top five them to death.
0: Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> you also race racing some late models, too, for DGR. You won Hickory last year. You led 200 laps, all of them, at the fall brawl mm-hmm. in the car store. I see oh, a smile you know, on I know, your face. You people don't know about that. Tell me. The
0: last 50 laps, why Gracie caught me is because I broke a right front shock.
3: And you still held on?
0: Yeah. How was that? <laughs> that was uh, scary. I thought Gracie was going to beat me. I really did.
3: What is it like to drive a race car without a shock?
0: It's hard. really tight. Super tight.
3: Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Damn. That's impressive. No, I didn't I didn't know that, so I don't think anybody else would either. Oh,
0: Yeah, no one knew that. Everyone thought I was just falling out of the seat and, and not running as good.
3: No. Wow!
0: I uh, broke right front shot here, boys.
3: So that was at the fall brawl, right? Yeah, it was fall brawl. So take me back there that day. Did you have race winning speed the entire day? Was your confidence sky I'm high? And then when the shock broke, were you like...
0: I barely, remember what I, did. I barely remember what I did last week.
3: Come on, man. You got to get with it. You're 15 years old. You got a good memory, I bet.
0: Um, I don't really remember what practice was like, but I think we qualified... I don't, remember where I, qualified. I don't remember. I know I won though.
3: <laughs> that's all that matters, I guess, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't run. Really don't, I'd have to go back and look. I really don't
3: remember. Well, your late model stuff, you run pretty well in those things. Um, but the one thing that I remember was your flip at Martinsville. That was nuts in every sense of the word. Over here. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, it's over here somewhere.
3: Good stuff. Well, yeah. that's impressive to do to be honest. I mean, I don't think anybody else has ever flipped a late model. I blame model. on
0: Sammy Smith for that. <laughs> yeah, right here.
3: There it is on your lid.
0: Yeah. It's
3: good were you scared at all? Or were you just like, God damn Sammy.
0: No, I was just like, this is kind of stupid. Why am I sitting upside down in a late model?
3: <laughs> I imagine that's the first time you were upside down in a late model, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Hopefully last time, too.
0: Yeah. I hung upside down for a while, too.
3: You did. Yeah. yeah you were there for a, a good, like, Longer than I mean,
0: Alfredo did.
3: <laughs> you did. Yeah. Yeah. You did it before it was trendy, though.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to... I'm curious about that. I mean, was that the first time you were flipped in any race car, vehicle whatsoever?
0: No. I, I flipped in a dirt car pretty good one time. I, uh, I flipped down the whole entire back stretch of Millbridge. Mm. Yeah. How was that? That was cool. I, I was like really young because I didn't really know what to think about that. I just kept it wide open when I was flipping too. I didn't really know what, what, f- what
3: I was doing. What does flipping feel like? Like, is it like a roller coaster so, uh, or is it in worse? In the late model, it's like a pillow. So like in, in like the in the
0: big stock cars, you feel like you're just like bouncing around in a pillow. Like it's super soft. But in okay. a dirt car, it's like you're G'd out in the seat. Like heads over here. Like boom, boom. Like it's rough in a dirt car.
3: I never thought that I would hear flipping in a race car feels like a pillow. But, it doesn't feel uh,
0: really like a pillow. It was a, that was an exaggeration, but like it's, well, it's
3: soft. It's uh, soft compared to the dirt car. I get that. Yeah, it's like
0: super soft. Like I'd way rather flip a race car than blow a right front. Blowing a right front is the worst pain ever. Not the worst, but one of the worst.
3: Especially because you know what's coming and you can't control it.
0: Yeah, like Ty, whenever he blew a right front at Dover.
3: Oh, that, that, was, that was bad. I was watching that live.
0: Like that was big. That was bigger than people think it was.
3: Yeah. Did he have any like residual injuries from that?
0: No, I don't think so.
3: That's good though. Well, speaking of Ty, let's talk about him because you guys seem to be boys. Do you have a Do you have yeah. a bromance?
0: I don't know, man. I don't really know what that entails. That's
3: a yes. You're smiling. I have That's best friend, a yes, though, man. He's
0: a best <laughs> hey, we've been best friends for like the past eight years.
3: How did that friendship form?
0: actually at Millbridge. Um, I met, actually met his cousin Jason first hmm. and then uh, became friends with Ty through Jason and then was like connected me and Ty were connected then we were just connected to the hip we really we hung out like every day for a while and then we, we, we stopped hanging out as much and then like it's probably, we so we hung out we stopped hanging out as much as we did probably for like two months. And because he went late while racing and I was still dirt racing and I was like, well, that's kind of like what in the world? Why can I not move up, you know? Because he's also like how old, much older is he Three years older than me?
3: Uh yeah, three years. He's eighteen.
0: Yeah, and so um and then I went asphalt racing and then we were started hanging out again.
3: Back like two peas in a pod. Yeah. You guys have the same mask, don't you? Huh? I think you have the same mask, like with the little teeth and the black mask. I think you guys match.
0: Oh, uh, I thought you said the same match. and
3: I was like, what are you talking about? Same mask.
0: So we used to. We used to have the same mask, and then uh, he got another one, and I lost mine.
3: Got to be better than that, Taylor. Come on, man. I know, man. I know. You guys do have a good bromance going, though. We we don't see that enough in big-time auto racing.
0: No, yeah, it's good, man. It's it's good. It's funny because we were – we started messing around with each other for fifth place at uh, at um, Lebanon. We were uh, bumping each other out of the way for fifth place.
3: I I think I remember watching that actually, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun to." Yeah. to I, I wish I was a fly on the wall for their text conversation after this thing.
0: I got out of the car and uh, I went over to him, and I was like, "Hey, you mad?" And he's like, "No, I don't really care." I was like, "All right, cool."
3: A lot of people give Ty a lot of crap because he's—I mean—he's really hard on himself. You know, he finishes second, and he was crying at Phoenix earlier this year. People give him a lot hey, of crap so for that. I was, but... I'm
0: going to back him up on this. He wasn't crying. He what says was, he was he doing? He, he says he wasn't crying. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was—I was at Southern Nationals. I, I won actually that weekend. Just letting you know. Thank um, you for that.
3: Appreciate it. He
0: says he wasn't crying, so I don't know. Okay. I'm going I'm to have to back him up on it. You know, I'm going to have to take his word, but he says he wasn't. No,
3: Please do. I mean, I I like Ty. He's a great kid. But um, what I was going to ask was like, I mean, you see a lot of him that a lot of people don't see. So people may have this, I guess you could say, you know, reputation that they associate with Ty of being a spoiled little rich kid who's just very keen on winning and doesn't really care about anything else. But I mean, you've seen him away from the racetrack pretty much more than anybody in the sport. And I've seen him a handful. But He's not really like that when he's out of the race car. Can you can you describe to the people a little bit about Ty and and what he's like?
0: Yeah, Ty gets a really bad rep with fans that like to type on Twitter. Um, especially me, I do too sometimes, but not as bad as he does. Um, <laughs> I think it's just the uh, not to be mean or anything. I think it. I think it. What? Why we get that title is because you know we come from a family background and you know ty's grandpa's joe gibbs and yep i mean i my grandpa doesn't own a race team but we're fortunate enough to be put in a situation that we're in and uh, i think that's why we uh we get a bad uh label on our name and it it sucks because people don't know who we actually are like i don't act like a snobby rich kid you know
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm a genuine dude you know i'd do anything for somebody so I think it sucks that we get that label on our name, but, you know, it's kind of, one of those things where you got to know you gotta know who your true friends are and you, you got to roll with it.
3: That's interesting perspective. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I also was doing some Instagram stalking and I saw that you were at a formerly known as the Redskins-Washington football team game with him. But then I also did more and I saw that you're a Seahawks fan, right? So a you're Se- a big so, Russ Wilson guy.
0: Yeah, big Russell Wilson guy. We had a bad game.
3: Mr. Unlimited.
0: We're going to move on. We're gonna move on. But, right. um, big, big Seahawks fan. I'm actually a DK that calf guy.
3: Huge, <clears throat> dude. Uh, when he ran down that guy when he was about to get the pick dude. six, Buda Baker, that was that was, that was insane. Hours. Insane.
0: Yeah, that's like he's a, a man he'd amongst be speeding boys. In my neighborhood.
3: What's that? He'd be speeding in my neighborhood. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. He's a, he's a man amongst boys. Do you have a DK jersey?
0: No, I don't. Actually, I haven't bought any in, in jerseys this year.
3: Gotta get like one of those lime green ones.
0: I used to have a Russell Wilson lime green one. But yeah. um anyways, back to the story. <laughs> I so he had invited me to a Redskins game. I was like, heck yeah, I'm going to the Redskins game. Like, why wouldn't I go to that? Like, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, and I, I went and it was actually a really cool experience. I like I never really knew anything about the Redskins. And then I actually became uh, like a fan. Like if like Seahawks are have a bye game, like I'm mm-hmm. we're gonna root for the Redskins.
3: Actually, what is it called now? It's not the Redskins Washington thing. football team.
0: Yeah, Washington football team. Can't say the Redskins anymore.
3: Don't uh, worry, I'll bleep it out.
0: Yeah, um but I actually kind of came like a semi-fan of them, but I mean Seahawks are my my team, you know. But yeah. I got a I got a uh, jersey, and the only reason I got the jersey is because it had Taylor on the back.
3: Yeah, that was Sean Taylor. I have that jersey, too. Sean
0: Taylor's jersey, but I got it because it said my name on the back. And of it was course. Taylor, learned, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get that.
3: Sean Taylor's my boy. R.I.P. But uh, man, If you saw Sean Taylor play, I think you would be a Washington football team supporter because he was... You, was you think DK's a-, a man amongst boys? Was he a beast? That?
0: Was he a beast or what? Oh,
3: dude. Unreal. I'll, I'll send you a, a video of him in the Pro Bowl after this, but so it's the pro bowl take that with a grain of salt and the punter for the afc ran a fake and sean taylor just comes in and lights him absolutely the you know what up and it was it like still lives in history uh he got he got killed a few years ago but like sean taylor was my man how did he get
0: killed didn't he get shot
3: yeah i think he was protecting his family in miami because that's where he went to school i think my grandpa actually taught one of his classes at the u um, and he was protecting his family and unfortunately he got shot and he passed yeah. away. That's what I, I remember dude, like I was going to school that morning and I didn't want to go. I was crying and my friends and I, we all wore our Washington football team, like shirts. It was really sad, but he was a great He's, player. I'll, I'll have to send you some videos. Is he me. better than Cam Chancellor? Oh yeah.
0: Hey, Cam Chancellor is a
3: beast. Yeah. But Sean Taylor was, Sean Taylor's the dude. I got to show Cam you. These Chancellor's videos, the dude. I know. He retired now, didn't he? Yeah, dude. He got
0: a, he injured his back from hitting people like the way yeah. he did. Like he hit with his people with his head down, and he yeah. hurt his back, and so he had to retire. Yeah.
3: All right. I know I only got a couple minutes because you have a winner's lunch to go to, so I got to get a couple more quick ones in. Yeah. You're good, um, dude. is racing on the same team and sometimes the same races in the same series as your brother is that weird at all or is it fun? I don't
0: think it's weird. I don't. I don't really see it as any fun or weird I, I don't know i just kind of roll i never really thought about it to be honest with you okay. um we've always kind of done the same thing i mean besides yeah. whenever he went drag racing so uh, we've always kind of kind of been together in the racing deal so
3: mm-hmm.
0: i haven't really hadn't really been weird or anything like that
3: um i was talking to taylor last week and he told me a great story of when- last week Sorry, talking to Tanner last week. Talking to Taylor right now. Yeah. Um, but he told me a great story of when you guys were at the go kart track, oh, right. and yeah, no you idea. choked no, him funny. out. So I need to hear your side of the story.
0: I, ch- I what? What else did he tell you?
3: Well, he essentially said that you were late. You were a little bit chunkier. I used and to be
0: a lot. I used to be a big kid.
3: Uh-huh. A, uh huh. He told me to that. And he said that essentially you were kind of lollygagging your way in and you had some trouble getting in the seat and then Tanner was giving you some crap and then you kind of like choked him out.
0: So when I was younger, I used to be a big, like I'll, I'll say straight up, I used to be a bad kid. Like I, I was a big kid. I,
3: Tanner I was, said that you like ate chips and played Minecraft all day.
0: I didn't play Minecraft. Oh, hold on. That's good. Um, I don't remember playing. I mean, I, I did play Minecraft, but like I didn't played all day set I, the
3: record straight
0: i more played like um what did i play i more played i more just played i racing and and uh ate cookies and stuff who didn't yeah and uh so anyways i was a bigger kid back then and uh i've lost a lot of weight since then i'm way way smaller
3: you're looking good thanks man i appreciate it yeah
0: um I know you just had to say that out of niceness, but
3: hey, uh, I was way chunkier, too. I've been there. Trust me.
0: It's that baby fat. I'll get you every time.
3: Mine was adult fat, but yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and so I uh, I don't really remember to be honest with you honestly. I just remember choking them out. But when I was younger, I used to have more of a temper than I do now. I mm-hmm. used to freak out about little things. and um, I was getting in the seat like <laughs> I was too big <laughs> I had gotten bigger than I was. And uh, I had to take the paddock out of my seat. <laughs> yeah, he said that too. I had to take all the foam out of my seat. Yep. And I was getting in, and it was still a little tight around me. And I was getting in, and he started yelling at me. And I was already, I was already uh, getting. Fresh um, on edge a little bit. Yeah, and um, <laughs> he got down by the, by me and <laughs> just grabbed him by his neck and stretched him. <laughs> and he started
3: freaking out and, I, and then we just he rolled to the to the starting gate and i went and that's that so so it was true but you just oh, wanted to set the record true yeah i didn't doubt it but i need yeah. i needed to get the other side of the story that's how we do journalism here you know
0: yeah yeah
3: well, Taylor, I know you got a victory lunch to go to. I appreciate your time this morning. Congratulations on the victory. Again, I know it's not the last time we'll be seeing you hoist a trophy in victory lane. Uh, best Thank of luck you. at Phoenix, and uh, we'll see you down the road, my friend. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed my chat there with Taylor Gray. 15 years old, but wise beyond his years. And I say that, actually, with, with seriousness, because, you know, he, I mean, 15 years old, you think that you like, can't even form a sentence, but... He's got his stuff together, man, for sure. It was a different interview for me, actually, because I'm used to like asking a question, the person responding like with a long-winded answer, and then me following up and doing that. This one felt like really conversational, though, which is tough to do over Zoom with interviews. In person, it's great, and that's what you want. And it's also what you want over Zoom, but it's just a little bit more difficult. But I appreciate Taylor doing that. It was um it was fun to catch up with him. Fun to talk a little bit of football as well. Sean Taylor got to send him some clips. And um, we'll be definitely seeing him win more races this year and next year as time goes on. Let's talk about Martinsville Speedway, the round of eight finale, preview it very briefly. Triple header weekend once again of racing action. And thankfully, thanks to Tom Bowles and the people over at Front Stretch, I will be on site on behalf of Front Stretch. Going to be fun to watch the truck race, watch the Xfinity race. Not sure if I'm going to be able to be in the press box or inside the track grounds to watch the cup race. Long story. But regardless, I will be on site this weekend, so be sure to follow along with myself on Twitter and follow us at Front Stretch, too. I touched on the points earlier in the episode for each series and who's in a must-win scenario, but it's going to be fun to see, like, who's going for broke, who's playing different strategy, who's rooting and gouging people out of the way. There's definitely going to be some retribution being paid Maybe not in all three series because I'm not really sure about the rivalries in Cup because I don't really think there's as many as there are in Xfinity and definitely in trucks. I'm just going to have my eyes peeled on the 18 truck and the 99 truck and if they're anywhere close to each other, which they probably will be um, on Friday night. That's going to be fun. And the racing on Halloween. It's spooky at Martinsville. Friday at 8 for the truck series. Saturday at 3.30 for the Xfinity series. Sunday at 2.00. For the Cup Series, tune into NBCSN and Fox Sports One this weekend for all of your racing action. I may be doing some unique-ish content on Sunday, but I'm I'm not sure about my plans yet. But I'll keep you abreast on my Twitter account and be sure to follow us at Frontstretch. Support us on Patreon, every other social media, you know the drill. Look nuts of the week. Cute, funky music. White boy. Wow, you hear that voice crack? That was weird. Kyle Larson. He's back. Officially has been signed by Hendrick Motorsports to drive, not the 88 car, but the 5 for a multi-year deal. He's back. It's been beaten to death what happened, obviously, with his racial slur on iRacing. He went on the Dale Jr. Download this week, had an interview. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but it's in my queue of podcasts. Um, But he will be back and officially reinstated on January 1st, 2021. I want to make one thing clear. Talent-wise, this guy deserves to be in Cup Cup and deserves to have a top tier ride and we've said when he was in the 42 you know man i wonder what he'd be able to do in top tier equipment in nascar and now we're going to be able to see that and get that chance um with this package he's not going to be able to show all that he can do but it's going to be a good display of his driving talent coupled with competitive equipment especially if next gen does what we want it to then that's going to be fun to see as well I am also a believer in second chances. I've messed up plenty in my day. I don't think that I've messed up as bad as Larson. Messed up in the public eye, obviously. Um, But what he did was horrific. It is forgivable, though. I think we should be forgiving as a society. I think we are forgiving as a society. He's paid his debt to society. He's done the groundwork and a lot of things behind the scenes that we haven't seen. A lot of things we have, a lot of things we haven't. He's done the necessary work to repair some of the relationships that he's torn and some of the trust that he's betrayed, and now he's back. So whether you like it or not, Kyle Larson is going to be a name in NASCAR for a long, long time, and he is here to stay. Speaking of Hendrick Motorsports hiring people, Rudy Fugel. That was a big hire for Hendrick Motorsports as well. He has been hired to crew chief William Byron in the 24 next year, stolen from KBM. That is a huge, huge get. Not just because those two had a successful season in 2016 in the truck series together. They won six times, should have won the title, but blew an engine at Phoenix. But they're reunited now, and I mean Rudy has been the constant at KBM. Like their performance in the truck have dwindled a little bit, but whenever Rudy is crew chief in the truck, that truck is gonna be really, really fast. So I'm interested to see if Rudy can transfer those skills to the Cup series. I have no idea as to why he wouldn't be able to. So I'm expecting big things from the 24 next year, possibly multiple wins. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to run one Xfinity race next year with Unilever as a sponsor. Not sure which race yet, though. And speaking of Dale Jr., you see what he did to Josh Berry? That was a really cool thing. Josh Berry wins the 2020 Division One Advanced Auto Parts National Championship for local racing. And he was rewarded with not only that trophy, but he got bombarded on sirius xm as he was doing a routine interview by dale jr and essentially told him live on air that he's going to be put in the number eight xfinity car for a dozen races to start next year that was a really really cool moment and i, I messaged him on that day and i was like hey man happy birthday <laughs> because it was his birthday i saw on facebook and then he responded he was like thanks man like really cool to be celebrating the championship whatever And then after I heard about that news, I wrote him back. I was like, well, damn, not a bad way to spend your birthday, huh? And he was like, yeah, man, I'm lucky. So Josh Berry is one of the good guys. He's really cool. So cool to see Josh Berry get another shot in Xfinity and competitive equipment. Kudos to him, man. He deserves that for sure. Tyler Ankrum and Sheldon Creed will be returning to GMS Racing next season in the truck series. So those are some silly season loose ends to tie up. And Go Fast Racing, their plans for 2021 were announced They're going to scale back to a part-time organization next year. Instead of running the full-time schedule, they're going to run about six or so races. They're giving up their charter, obviously. And Matt Tift, remember him? And BJ McLeod, they have purchased that charter, and they're going to work with Joe Falk. And they are now going to be Cup Series owners. So interesting stuff there. I still don't really know how the charter system works, who has what, who's leasing to somebody. It's all confusing, but that's above my pay grade. That'll wrap things up for this very busy episode 79 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you like what you heard here today, as always, do me a favor. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Um, If we're not available on any of your podcast players, let me know, and I will try to rectify that issue so you will be able to consume it to your liking. And until next time, stay safe, stay inside, keep washing those hands, wear that mask. Peace and love, my dude and dudettes.